Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Jesus gives an offering. So we're jumping in to Mark chapter 14. Now, Mark chapter 14 could probably be two chapters because it's 72 verses. It's the longest of, of all the chapters that we've been in. So some of you, you got your work cut out for you this week. You're going to be like, oh man, I haven't been reading enough this week. You're going to be like, whoa, a little overwhelmed. So you might you might chop it up a little bit. But uh, in this in this chapter, we're in the middle of, of Passion Week. Passover is happening. And all around Jesus, we know that, that the temperature is rising. We know that the religious are, 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 are basically, you know, like cats do whenever they, they get kind of stirred up, their backs kind of get all pokey. This is what's happening uh, with the system of the day. The tension is rising. And so the, the chief priest and the scribes are seeking to arrest Jesus, but it's Passover and they've got all these people coming to town. So what they don't want to do is they don't want the people to revolt, but they also know that they need to get rid of this Jesus character because he is really stirring things up and they're afraid that he's a threat to Rome. They're afraid that he is actually who he says he is, that he's God in the flesh, that he's actually going to be not just the king of the Jews, but maybe even someone bigger than that. So there's fear. So they're, they're going through, and it actually says this, that in, they're in stealth mode, that they're going to try to go in and, 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 and sneak in and kill Jesus. This is their plan. And so Jesus obviously knows that this is going on. Jesus just continues his ministry. I'm sure for him, the stress is rising. The, ten- the, the tension is rising. And we see this story in Mark chapter 14 where Jesus goes to Bethany. And he goes to Bethany into the house of Simon. And this is where we're at, verse 3. Simon the leper, and as he was reclin- reclining at the table, he was chilling. Right? They're just hanging out. I love it that these we have these pictures of Jesus where he's just chilling. You know, he's not like, he's not campaigning. He's not running around. He's not preaching. He's not doing miracles. He's just chilling. Do you ever just chill with Jesus? You ever just kind of hang out with the Lord? Like just kind of relax and just kind of recline and lay back and just, how many know that the, the, the Lord likes that posture? He's not just about the busy busyness. Sometimes he just wants you to, to, to chill with him, to, to, to lay back, to relax, right? And so here he is. He's hanging out, reclining at a table, and a woman came. Now, we know from the other Gospels that this is Mary of Bethany. And she came with an alabaster flask of ointment, of pure nard. Everybody say spike nard. Pure nard, spike nard. It's very costly. Not just costly, but very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly. So they're indignant. Why was the ointment wasted like that? What is she doing wasting something so costly? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii, which is a year's wages. 300 days. You take away the, the, the Sabbath days out of that, 300 days wages. A year's wages. Which we know that if it's a year's wages, we know that it didn't just take a year to save up for a year's wages. Because if you're in the year, you have, you have to pay your bills so she's been saving for, we don't know how long. 
I would suggest at least a decade for a year's wages. And they said this, they said, here she is giving something worth a year's wages. She could have gave it to the poor. And they scolded her. They scolded her. But Jesus, come on. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you. And, when, and whenever you want, you can do good to them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could, which was a lot. She's kind of like that widow that gave those two months that we talked about a few weeks ago. She gave all that she could. For she anointed my head beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, Wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So Jesus is like, you're being critical of what she's doing. I'm telling you it's a beautiful thing. I'm telling you she's preparing me for something. Now this is Mary's offering. This is Mary's worship to Jesus. And we can learn a lot about worship in this context, right? Can't we? We can learn, first of all, through her offering that it, worship is pure. That her offering was pure. It was, it was pure spikenard. It was an imported, exotic, expensive uh, ointment that was stored in a like a marble flask. And it wasn't like a flask that you could open and you could close. It was actually sealed in this flask. It was so expensive. This is this alabaster box or jar, if you will. And here it is, this marble-looking jar full of this very expensive perfume. It was sacred. It was reserved for a moment. It was pure. It had an intention behind it. Is your worship pure or are you putting on a show? Does it come from a pure place? The second thing about her offering is this, is her offering was, was costly. A year's wages. Can you imagine what you've been saving for? Probably your whole life. to only be given to a man that you've known for just a couple of years, to be wasted on him. It's costly. Is your worship, when, we, when you come to worship, is it, is it pure? Is it from a, a pure place? Secondly, is it costly? Is your worship costly? Is, it, is, is your worship based upon your comfort and your convenience, or is it costly? Does it cost you something when you worship? Because most people go, well, I don't worship like that. It costs me too much. Or are you stretched? Does it come from a place where it actually costs you something? Does it cost you a little energy? Does it cost you a little pride? Does it cost you a little bit of yourself, a little bit of your personality? Will you give him the worship you deserve or will you give it out of comfort and convenience? Most will choose that. But this woman was choosing a worship that cost her something. The third thing about her worship is it was broken. To get, the, to get that oil out. She had, to, she had to break it open. It was smashed, never to be used for anything again. It was created for this purpose to have this oil to one time, one time. You only had to, you, you, you can't gather the oil up and, you know, and, and put some Gorilla Glue on it and assemble it back together. You, there's no way to do it. There's no way to recapture what you're about to get rid of right now. It's wasted. This is the end of it. 
a year's wages, $50,000, $60,000 in a moment. No way to get it back. No insurance, no backup plan. It was just broken. Have you got before the Lord and been broken? Have you, when you worship the Lord, do you get, ever get broken? Do you, are you ever just so overwhelmed with gratitude? Yeah, I know if you're like me, man, you love worship. You look forward to it and you're excited and you're like pressing in. You're like, yes, yes, I love it. I feel, feel so good. But do you ever just get in worship and just weep before the Lord? Do you ever get before the, the, the Lord and just be smashed like that jar? Do you just get crushed? in worship. I love it when I can, when I can just bring the Lord my crushed heart, my brokenness. And it's not just, and it's not just by him. It's not like I'm, I'm worshiping and and I encounter the Lord and I'm like, oh, I'm just so overwhelmed by you. But no, 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 I'm crushed for you. Are we willing to be crushed for the Lord, to be wrecked for him, to be smashed for him, before him? I love how David says in Psalm 51, verse 17, he said, Lord, if you delight in sacrifices, I could bring them. I'd bring all that. He's like, that's not what you do. You don't delight in in ceremonies. You don't delight in all the religious duty. What you want is a broken and contrite heart. Will Will you allow yourself just to be broken before the Lord? Just before him, to him, unto him, not just him breaking you. Come on. I like those moments too. I like it when my will won't bend and the Lord breaks me. I don't like it at the moment. I like it later. <laughs> I love what Pastor Emlyn said earlier. He, he said, Lord, you don't have to bow my knee. I, 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 I do it myself. So I'm just willing to be broken before you. And I, I love that in that she was emptied out. There was nothing left. There was nothing left. Everything wasted on Jesus. Totally worth it. Totally worth it for him to say, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Number four is that, is that it was poured out. And when this fragrant offering was given to Jesus, it didn't just cover Jesus, it filled the room. And I love that. I love it. It doesn't just cover Jesus, it fills the room. And John tells us this, it says that she anointed his feet. You guys remember that? Well, Mark says that she anointed his head. So which is it? Is she anointing his head or is she anointing his feet? Yes. <laughs> she started on the head and got down to the feet. She covered Jesus. Why? Because she's preparing him for burial, Jesus says. And, and if you're going to, you, this would be a form of embalming. So if you're going to put, cover up the odor of a dead body, you're not just going to do it just on their head or just on their feet. You're going to pour it all over their body. And this is what she is doing in this moment. She's anointing his body. It didn't just cover him. It filled the room. So we know this. We know that it was beautiful. Her worship, her offering was beautiful. She did a beautiful thing. Jesus looked at it and he said, your worship is beautiful. That's that's how whenever I come to worship the Lord, I don't care if a person says it's beautiful. I don't care if a person thinks it smell good, smells good. I want whatever I worship the Lord for as it comes from such a pure, broken place that I'm before the Lord and him go, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Have you ever watched someone worship and say, that's beautiful? I remember I've shared this story lots of times. We were at an event called The Call in Washington, D.C. in 2000. And there was, uh, we were, it was this call. We got together to fast and pray. That's what it was for. So we took 10 teenagers from El Paso, Texas to, to Washington, D.C., and it's, it's 12 hours of just fasting and praying before the Lord. 
And so I remember we're at this event, and there's this kid. Like, this was before everybody who had their ears, ears stretched and mohawks and all. It was before, like, the whole scene, right? And so I'm there, and there's, like, this kid, like, doing this crazy dance, like, during worship. And I, I, was, I mean, I've always been, like, an enthusiastic worshiper. And I'm watching this kid, like, kind of crazy dance. And I was like, that's awesome. And I told the Lord, I said, I, I wish I could worship like that. And he said, why don't you? And I was like, Okay. <laughs> At least I attempt, attempted to do. So why don't you? I, I saw a beautiful thing. I saw what the Lord saw as a beautiful thing. So I said, Lord, I want to be a beautiful thing. I want to paint a good picture for you. It was beautiful. She did a beautiful thing. Second of all, it was remarkable. Jesus made mention of it. And Missy Edwards sings a song where, where, where a moment in a song where she shares this. She says that the, the Lord is... A, we're peering over the balcony of heaven. And he goes, oh, angels, oh, angels, come look and see. <laughs> That's how I want it to be when I'm worshiping the Lord. I want, it to be, I want it to be so remarkable before the Lord that he says, oh, angels, come look at them. There they go again. Yes. It's Tuesday morning and Monday was rough. And there they are. Look at them. Yes. It's remarkable. They're, they're worshiping more, me more on Tuesday than they were on Sunday. Look, there they go again. They love me. They're in love with me. It's remarkable. It's beautiful. It's remarkable. And the third thing is it was memorable. This worship was memorable. Jesus said, it, when the gospels preach, you're going to talk about this woman. And guess what? Today, we're talking about this woman. 2,000 years ago, we're t- later, we're talking about her worship. It's remarkable. Will we worship in such a way that that fragrance lasts thousands of years? See, when we fill the room with fragrant worship, he will fill the room with fragrant presence. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, that we are the fragrance of Christ. Did you know that some people, listen, some people will be drawn because you've gotten to this place of worship. That, you have, that you, you have so much extravagant, fragrant worship in your life that people smell the aroma of Christ on you. That we are the fragrance of Christ. What does what the body of Christ smell like? We don't smell like dung. We don't smell like poop. We smell like Jesus. We don't smell like filth. We smell like him because we've been with him. Right? You know, you know, like some people have, a, have an odor, like not a bad odor. Do you know you guys know what I'm talking about? Like you get around somebody, they just have that smell. Like you get in your car and you're like, this smells like, this smells like Josh Brown. It's not like a bad smell. I hope it's not a bad smell. I, I've had, you know, a lot of spiritual sons over the years and they would get in my car and they go, this car smells like you. I'm like, oh no, you know, man, I need to change my deodorant. What is this, the fragrance of Josh? I don't want this to smell like Josh. I want it to smell like Jesus. I want to have his fragrance because I've been around him. And this is the thing, beloved, is that fragrant offerings are often criticized. See, not everybody likes the smell of your worship. Not everybody likes the smell of your worship, but guess what? He does. But he does. Not everyone's going to look at your worship and and say it's a beautiful thing. I've watched, this is so funny, I watched a debate the other day for about five minutes of it, and then I got sick of it, and I 
watch something else. This guy was talking about how we shouldn't dance in church. I was like, I'm like, well, why not? Like, isn't Jesus not worthy of a dance? Is Jesus not worthy of a show? It's like, like it was some kind of like inappropriate thing. I'm like, where are you from? Like, what Bible are you reading? Like, do you not see all of David's life? Do you not see these extravagant expressions of worship? Some people just don't like the way it smells. I don't like the way this smells, so. So the disciples scolded her. Now, John tells us this, that, that Judas was actually the one that spoke up and rebuked her. And isn't it interesting that just later on in the, cha- in the chapter is when Judas sells Jesus out. He had had enough of this wasted money on Jesus. I don't think he would have acted that way if the money was wasted on him. He does some wasting if you remember. See, the, this worship was so costly that they were offended. The disciples were offended by this worship. I've had people go over the years leading people and having extravagant worshipers in the room and non-extravagant worshipers in the room. And this extravagant worshipers be critical of, or the non-extravagant worshipers be, be critical of the extravagant worshipers and come and complain. Uh, they're doing it for show. They're doing it for this rebuking. And Jesus looks and goes, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And my, my point, my, my, my frustration is always this. is like, why are you paying attention to them? It's worship. You should be paying attention to Jesus. You're sitting around with your arms crossed looking at the room, trying to validate what they're giving to Jesus. You're missing your moment. You're missing your opportunity. And so the disciples were offended, but Judas stayed offended. And it provided to be a snare. And they were kind of virtue signaling, right? I mean, that's really what they were doing. They were like, well, if she was really spiritual, she would sell that oil and give it to the poor. If they were really spiritual, they wouldn't spend that much money on a sound system. If they were really spiritual, they wouldn't be building these big buildings. Right? And we get critical of someone's gift to the Lord or gift to the kingdom. Listen, there will always be someone who, who will say your offering to Jesus, Jesus should be spent another way. Someone else is always going to tell you how you need to spend your offering to the Lord. Always. There's always going to be somebody that will tell you, well, they shouldn't do this. They should put their money. They shouldn't put give to the kids in Haiti. They should give to this mission. They shouldn't give to the kids in Haiti because there's homeless people in the Metroplex. They should give their money there. Someone is always going to criticize your offering. They shouldn't give to that church because that church has millions of dollars. They should, they should only give to poor churches. Who, who are you to criticize someone else's offering? There's always going to be somebody else that's got a better idea for it than you do. Or how that you spend your life for the Lord. Or how that you spend your time for the Lord. For the Lord. It's for the Lord, right? So all this virtue signaling that's happening. Oh, you know, I care about poor people. And here she is wasting her money on Jesus. I mean, Jesus loves the poor. How many of you know that that tending to the poor can bring glory to God, but so does extravagant worship. 
that also brings glory to the Lord. And this is not a thing to say we shouldn't feed poor people. Jesus said, you always have them among you. There's always going to be a need. But right now, in this moment, give to me. They had no idea how pure it is. They're doing that for attention. You ever heard that one? Oh, look at them. They're doing that for, an, for attention. Well, where is your attention? Why are you focused on them? If, if they're doing it for attention, then why are you giving them attention? <laughs> right? So, so fix your attention somewhere else. Beloved, and we see this all the time, right? Especially in the age of social media. We're all about calling people out, virtues. Well, they should be doing this. I'm doing this. They should be doing this. Or just all of it. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Just being critical of somebody else's expression, someone else's devotion to the Lord. So we make statements based upon a headline, a quote, or a 35-minute message, right? So you have, you have all these preachers, right? All these, these like televangelists and all these people and, or they're, you know, they're putting quotes or something. And so what, what people do is they take a quote, they take a little sentence and they judge the rest of their life by one little sentence. Like you don't even know the person and you're disqualifying them. Why do we disqualify people so easily? Well, I heard them say in a 35 minute message, I even heard them say in a book that they wrote. I read this little, you didn't read the whole book, you read a little segment. What well, did you read? All the books? Did you attend their church? Did you know what they did Monday through Saturday? Probably not. Yet you have absolute knowledge, so you can make an absolute judgment. That's not sober judgment. This is the, isn't the judgment that Jesus is talking about. I'm just going to camp out here for a minute. Because <laughs> we do this all the time with people that belong to Jesus, and we don't know how pure they are. And we're making statements. You know what I don't want to get into? What I don't want to get into is this thing that Scripture forbids of us called false accusation. We call it lying. But originally in the law, in the Ten Commandments, it's false accusation. Right? False witness. And so we'll make, we don't know if it's false. We don't know if it's true. But what we think, and from what I've read, from the video clip I watched, they're a false prophet. What if you're false in that? What if you're bearing false testimony? You're sinning. So my advice to you is this. Stay in your lane. Because sheep and goats look the same from a distance. <laughs> and an apple tree and an orange tree might look the same from a distance. You might need to get up close to examine, which is what Scripture tells us to do, examine the fruit. How are you examining the fruit from a thousand miles away? Beloved, can we just establish a standard that we don't make public statements until we know the whole story? Whether it be a preacher or a celebrity or anybody else, can we just not? I'm not even going to use the don't judge statement because we've royally screwed that up. Because we are called to judge. But I can't judge someone soberly and accurately if I don't know them. All right. So can we just establish that standard? Uh, we as a church, we have very low tolerance. When people come to me complaining about a preacher, I'm like, you're talking to the wrong guy. Because I was preaching about 20 years ago. 
And I said this, I said, the problem with the American church, and Jesus interrupts me during the middle of my message. He goes, that's my, careful, that's my bride you're about to talk about. So I've made it a habit that I don't talk about bad about Jesus's woman. <laughs> right? So. Jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he is jealous for his, for his bride. So. Let me get back here. That's a, good, that's a good place to step off, but let's get back. So this expression that she gives is more than worship, though. So we know it's worship. We, come, we know it comes from a pure place. We know it comes from a broken place, but it's more than worship. Jesus said that she has anointed my body beforehand for burial. She's preparing me for my purpose. Listen, in her offering, she is preparing a place for his purpose to be carried out. Let me say this again. In her offering, she was preparing a place for his purposes to be carried out. Are you preparing a place for his purposes to be carried out? And we know that Jesus is going to be glorified, but before he can be glorified, he had to die. Before he could be resurrected, he had to go to the cross. And she is preparing him for death. So this happens. Judas runs off. He's frustrated. He ends up selling Jesus out. We know this. They share a Passover meal together, which we'll revisit in just a minute. And Jesus takes three of his closest disciples up to this mountain called Gethsemane. You guys remember? Now, Gethsemane is the, called the olive press. It's the place where olives are pressed. It's the place of crushing. So before Jesus goes to Golgotha, which is the place of the skull where he dies, he goes to this garden <laughs> called Gethsemane. A place where olives are crushed. And it says this in verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Jesus got stressed. We could have made that the headline today. Jesus is troubled. Jesus is burdened. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Why? Because he knows what's about to happen. So he says, remain here and watch. We talked about being alert last week. Watch, watch out. Remain, stay right here. And it says he goes a little further. And he fall, fell on the ground and prayed. If it were possible, the hour of the night might pass from him. And he said, this is how he addresses the father, Abba, Daddy. All things possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Lord, I know you're sovereign. I know you're powerful, Daddy. Would you remove the cup of suffering from me? Get this. Jesus wants out. This is how intense it's going to be. Jesus wants out. He wants something else more. But in this moment, he wants out. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. So he prays this. He goes back and they're sleeping. Jeez. Simon, are you asleep? Wake up. Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation, which he does. And then he says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
And again, he went away and prayed the same words. And we know he does this three times. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavily, heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Is it enough? The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinner. Rise and let us be going. See my betrayer. Judas is at hand. And this is where they come and they arrest Jesus. We'll get into that a little bit next week. I wonder if Jesus in this moment of being troubled of offering himself, I kind of wonder if he remembered Mary. I kind of wonder if he remembered what happened just a few hours ago when someone else gave something really costly. I kind of wonder, I I like to think that, that maybe Mary, whenever he says she's preparing me for burial, When he says what she says, what she does is going to be remembered. I wonder in this moment if Jesus is remembering Mary. He's going, you know what? If she did it, if she gave something very costly, then then maybe I can give something costly. Maybe, Maybe Jesus is being inspired a little bit from what had happened earlier in the chapter. He's he's about to give something that he's been preparing for for a long time. But not just a decade, not just a year's wages. But as we know, Scripture says that he was being prepared before the foundations of the earth. Jesus, from eternity past, is being prepared for this moment. And I think in this moment, he probably remembered Mary. I think maybe she gave him a little bit of inspiration. Maybe. Because we see Jesus brings also a beautiful offering. First of all, he brings an offering that is pure an offering that is pure. We know that it was pure because he is pure. We know that everything that he does comes from a good place because he's what goodness is. It's how we define what goodness is. So Jesus brings a beautiful, pure offering. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Christ who never sinned, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, to be an offering for our sin. So it was to the Father, but it was for us. God made him who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Jesus giving a pure offering. Jesus, the pure, spotless lamb before the foundations of the earth. Pure. It's a pure offering. The second thing is Jesus' offering was also costly, just like Mary's. It was a costly offering. It cost him something. Oh, Jesus, this is your mission. It's an expensive mission. Listen, destiny ain't always easy. We, we throw that word, well, it's just my destiny. I've got such confidence. Here's Jesus going, I don't want my destiny. Destiny ain't always easy. Don't just think because God planned it, it's going to be easy. I would suggest this to you today, is that sometimes, most of the time, fulfilling God's plan for your life is difficult. And don't think, oh, I have an obstacle. It must not be the Lord's will. No, it probably is, because there's somebody that doesn't want you fulfilling God's will. The devil, the world. Oh, I will. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
Jesus is literally, it says this in Luke, that Jesus is sweating great drops of blood, that Jesus is so stressed out. He's actually experiencing this medical condition that when stress is so intense that you actually sweat blood. Blood, sweat, and tears, literally. Literally, literally. Right? Abba, Father, all things are possible. Remove this cup, yet not what I will but yours. It was costly. Why is Jesus asking to get out of it? Because he knows what it's going to look like. Because he's been looking at it. Listen, not just for 30 years when he was on the earth, but for billions of years before this, Jesus knew. Jesus knew, and here is the moment. And what I love about it is that Jesus paid full price. Get this. I am a bargain shopper. I don't want to pay full, full price for anything. I'm on the internet. I'm like using honey to get that, that, that discount code. I walk straight to the clearance aisle. I mean, that is me. I'm looking for it on sale. I'm looking for a good deal. Jesus wasn't looking for a good deal. He wasn't looking for us on clearance. He wasn't trying to get a discount. He was willing to pay the highest price. You know why? Because he looked at us and he said, they're worth it. So even more than the suffering that I am about to endure, even more than the pain that I'm about to experience, Father, I want them, not my will. I'll pay full price. I will pay full price. I don't want a discount. I don't want a way out. I want them. They're worth it. For the joy, it says, that was set before him, he endured. You're worth it. Your quality. You don't pay for junk. You didn't deserve it, but you were worth every ounce of the blood of Christ. If you weren't, then he paid it in vain. Great grace for the human race. Great grace for the human race. Lord, what is the price? I'll pay it. We were costly and he was willing to pay. First Peter 1.18. Peter, who was there? Peter, who wasn't very good at paying prices, remembered the price that, that Jesus paid. He said, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. <laughs> and it was not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose their value. It was prayed with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Pure, costly, a pure and costly offering. And it was broken. His offering was broken. See, even before the cross, Jesus is broken at the garden. See, the garden prepared him for the grave. The garden prepared him from the grave. Before he died on the cross, he died in the garden. I, I like to watch fighting, UFC fighting. I know that some of y'all think I'm unspiritual now. Then just ignore what I just said. 
And this is what fighters will say, especially the jiu-jitsu guys. They'll say fighting is 90% mental. 90% mental. And I'm going, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> because I can't get it in the frame of mind to do that. But I love to watch you do it. 90% mental. And then I heard a fighter not too long ago say this. He said, it's not 90% mental. It's 100% mental. Because you have to decide in the beginning that I'm going to do this. It's 100% mental. And so Jesus at this moment is facing anguish because he knows he's got to literally get his head in the game. He's got to get his focus there. And this is what he's doing. Knowing what he's having to do, he's got to get in the mindset. And this is what's happening. He's being crushed in the garden before he's crushed on the cross. The garden prepared him for the great. And number four, he was poured out. Jesus poured out. Just like Mary, Jesus gives an offering that was pure, that was costly, that was broken, and that was poured out. So right before this, Jesus gets in the upper room with his disciples. And he's telling them what's about to happen. He's telling them about the brokenness. He's telling them about the poured out. And he says this as they, as they were eating the Passover meal. There's a whole lot that happens there. That you can read about, that you will read about, I believe, this week. And it says, as they were eating, he took bread and blessed it. And broke it. Come on. And gave it to them and said, take this, my body. He took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is the blood of my covenant, my precious blood, which is poured out for many. This offering is for many. And truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take communion. And if you don't have communion elements, then raise up your hand and we'll get those to you. If you're at home, run and get you a cracker or a slice of pizza or something. Pizza would be awesome. Something. Smarty, a peanut M&M, oh, <laughs> Coke Zero and peanut M&Ms, it'll work, come on, I think we're trade, we're thinking we're going to swap these out, Pastor Emlyn, we're probably going to have communion again next week, peanut M&Ms, Coke Zero, so what I want you to do, I want you to go ahead and prepare that. Jesus is telling them what's about to happen, not just in the, on the cross, but even in the garden. There was blood in the garden. Come on. The will was broken in the garden. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we thank you 
for your body that was broken. Lord, even in the garden, your will that was broken, your surrender, your yieldedness, Lord, we thank you that your body was broken for us. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that healing was provided in those stripes that day that you took. We thank you for your good, good news, Lord. That by your stripes, by your broken body, we are healed. We're healed physically. We're healed spiritually. We're healed emotionally. Today, I, I want you to just, when you receive the body as the body, just receive your healing. His body was broken so that his body could be healed. Come on, you're his body. So, Lord, we thank you. Healing, spiritually, emotionally, physically. We thank you, Lord. Let's take that together. Lord, we thank you for the blood that you shed. Lord, that night in the garden, that day on the cross, We thank you for the blood of the new covenant. A better covenant. We thank you for the blood that was shed for the remission of sins. I thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus washes us white as snow. Free from shame free from the sting of death. Lord, we thank you that your blood was shed. So Lord, today we've remembered a woman and today we do this in remembrance of you. We remember your covenant. We remember your offering. Let's take the juice together. Jesus paid it all all to him I Sin had left its crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. He washed. Me white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. And- 
Come on, can we just stand? It says this after they left that place. That they left that place and they sung a hymn. Can we just stand up? Let's just sing to the Lord with gratitude. 